Testing, testing. How are you? I'm good. I just had an awesome, uh, awesome interview with Scaramucci. Obviously, oh, your friends, oh. but man, it's awesome. Yeah, love Anthony. So, so can you can you maybe give us an overview on that? I'd love like again. What I want to do is every show is like you give an overview on your show, uh, and then Ryan gives an overview on his show uh, before we kick off. Yeah. Space. How was I mean, nothing we just nothing we discussed was hypersensitive or particularly about the market today. I mean, he just the guy has just incredible stories, and so I, I consistently we talk about it here all the time. Like, you know, what a, a question I ask a lot of guests: like, do you think that Larry Fink is genuinely orange filled, or do you think that Larry Fink is just talking his book? And he told a story about meeting Larry Fink in 2021 and the uh, Four Seasons in Abu Dhabi. And Larry Fink said to him, Bitcoin is stupid. Like, do you really like this thing? It's crap. This is in 2021, so two years ago. Uh, but I do believe that we can tokenize everything and use the technology, right? And, um, and then he said that then a guy, Metzner, someone came in and started working on the Bitcoin spot ETF at BlackRock. I think the guy came from Ripple and legitimately orange-pilled Larry Fink. And now Larry Fink is genuinely like a huge Bitcoiner and believes in the tokenization of everything and flight to quality. He also told me a story about when he was a law student, I guess, at uh, Harvard and Elizabeth Warren was a professor there, how nice and, and genuine she was. And then in like 2019, Mooch was at a dinner, I think, at uh, World Economic Forum or something. And a guy came up and took a picture with him, a Russian guy. And then all of a sudden, Elizabeth Warren like demanded to know Anthony's involvement in like working with the Russian something or other on, you know, fixing the election and all this crazy shit. And that's when his like relationship with Elizabeth Warren went bad. It's just crazy because, you know, we ask our guests, hey, what do you think of Jamie Dimon's comments? What do you think of Elizabeth Warren? What do you, and you don't ask Mooch that and get just a canned response. You get literally his insight from meeting directly with them and talking to them about these topics. It was just really, really compelling. And uh, he was, so describe it, he was the, the first investor in, um, Larry 10 million. ETF. He, he, he seeded BlackRock spot ETF. Actually, the first time he ever mentioned that was the last time I interviewed him on my show. He said, you know, I'm going to break this here, but we, we were the first people to t- send 10 million. I think it was in, into their bit, their private Bitcoin trust, which they were then, which was effectively seeding for the ETF. You know, he knew that at the time, but people didn't, but that's why they raised the uh, private trust, I think, which then became the seeding for the uh, BlackRock spot ETF. But he was the and first that was- 10 million in. That was the that was Skybridge that put in the ten million. And what what is it? What I have thoughts on the markets in general? Did you discuss that at all? Yeah, I mean, so you know, you need a hyperbolic title. Uh, and he did an interview at in San Moritz last week or a couple of days ago at WEF, where he said, you know, he thinks that after the halving, Bitcoin goes to one hundred and seventy thousand. That's still what he thinks. You know, just basically take the four x multiplier from current price if this is the price of the halving. Uh, but then he thinks we get to a new that he thinks we get around you know the previous all time high. 69 uh, by the end of this year. It's effectively what he said. You know, thinks an Ethereum spot ETF is coming. Uh, quite a few things. And he thinks that... This year? Largely he this, when, this year? He, he didn't give us the date. And, and, but, and, the, and that largely, obviously, this dip, as we've said, is QPTC, which will exhaust. I mean, uh, you know, confirmation of a lot of things we thought. It's just interesting to ask someone the same questions and get their personal anecdotes on exactly what they know about that person and why. Yeah, and if anyone wants to check out the interviews on Scott's channel, Ryan, what did you talk about on your show today? It's kind of a high-level overview. And we just spoke about, um, kind of carried on our discussion yesterday around GBTC and the fact that yesterday seemed like the selling started to get a little bit tired. Um, and as a result of the selling getting a little bit tired, um, you know, the market went green again. 
And you saw that as soon as the market went green, altcoins went crazy again. So like, you know, Bitcoin went up like 2%, altcoins up 20%. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty much what we covered. Yeah, I'm just going through the altcoins now. It got yeah, I mean, Bitcoin also like really, you know, ran you, you kind of been screaming about 39,600, which was the closing of the CME gap. For me, the level was always sort of around 38,600. I wasn't saying you're definitely going to go there, but that was, I talked about it a ton when we were on the way up, but that was sort of the area where uh, price collapsed from Luna, right? So sort of the beginning of the 2022 contagion was, you know, you call it between 38 and 40. To me, it was like 38.6. Um, and that's exactly for the first time where Bitcoin just retested its support. And if you look, that's also almost to the dollar at 2100, where Ethereum tested its support, almost to the dollar on Solana from like the Luna collapse uh, when it dropped down back to that level from support. So, like, you know, if you're a technical analyst, you look for very key levels to be tested as support. That's a bullish thing. You don't want price to go up without coming back and testing key levels. And all of the strongest coins uh, came back and tested that same area from the beginning of the 2022 contagion. Ryan, you're glitching. Not sure if you're there. Oh, Ryan's mic's not working. But we can start going to the panel. Uh, Scott, uh, we can kick it off with the market discussion. We've got Jason here. We've got Jesse. we got Leon, Juan Leon, and we've got uh, Mike. I've just sent you an invite as well. But maybe kick it off with the market overview, Scott. Sure. Uh, you know, I think Bitcoin is sort of struggling around that 40,000 area. Actually, it's literally 40,035 cents at the moment. Uh, last I just checked, uh, a lot of people pointing to that as a psychological key resistance now that it was lost as support. But I think Rand gave the uh, quick appraisal that was correct, which is, you know, if Bitcoin finds even a temporary bottom, you see that all coins get a much, much bigger bounce, um, you know, uh, and so... Across the board, let me let me check. Things are pretty flat, honestly. I mean, Bitcoin's up three point three percent in twenty four hours. Ethereum's flat. Solana's up ten, right? So you can see what's strong on the bounce. XRP two percent. A few things. Avax is up thirteen percent. So a lot of the ones that were performing really strong, kind of before this correction or in the past few months, have bounced the hardest. And I think that's always really uh, important to take a look at. I literally haven't taken even a superficial glance at the macro markets today. So. Uh, you know, McGlone can probably tell us what's going on there, uh, unless we want to stick for the moment onto crypto. But yeah, no, man, go, well, I think I think it would be would be foolish not to look at macro as well. So, so Mike, yeah, thanks for having. Me. It's good to be back. The, the, no significant thing is what most people anticipated is economic stimulus out of China. We just got the latest round of that. What's the latest? They're going to be cutting the reserve rate. There's just so many things they're doing. And CSI jumped, the Hang Seng jumped. But these are things that I think the responsive sellers, certainly commodity people, are just sitting and waiting for. Um, so the macro is China's, the key thing to look at is they have to stimulate because their economy is tilting over very similar to the way Japan and Soviet Union did when they basically mean reverted 30 years ago. And that's just getting started in China. Just notice the dichotomy compared to a year ago as China was recovering. Now it's completely tilted the other way. We're just seeing that happen in real time. So there's part of the wealth destruction issue, I think, in the macro that we have to be aware of. China GDP PPI is running minus almost 3%. US PPI is still minus. Um, and then to me, in, in, the, uh, in the macro, from a Bitcoin standpoint, now we've had the normal correction. This is just normal. 
Um, most of us who trade without the bias or watch it, I just fully expected that was this the silliest frenzy I've ever seen with that ETF launch. But the thing that's really mattering for me now is okay, now we're back at 40. Where's the next 10,000 coming come from? Yeah. And I just, Mike, I'm not sure if you can just. Just sorry, I, I'm trying to find the right moment to jump in. If you could just fix the mic a bit, there's a bit of echo on your end. Okay, maybe, maybe um, I should. I'm speaking if we, uh, this is a bit quiet. If I pause and then just go to another mic and I can hop back on in a minute. Yeah, you you do that. You do that. I'm not sure. Scott, have you looked into the. I know Randy talked about it in your show as well. So anyone else, check out Scott and Rand's show there every day just prior to this space. But Randy, you, you were talking about the numbers when it comes to the ETF. Uh, BlackRock's head of iShares said that by every measure of this spot, Bitcoin ETF launch has, quote, gone incredibly well. Um, and then James gave another, another update on that. So I'm not sure if, if Juan or, or Scott or Ryan, you want to give an update on the ETF side because we keep going through the numbers every few days. Yeah, sure. I, I, I can jump in. Uh, thank you guys for, for having me uh, on. Uh, I'm Juan. I'm, uh, I'm from Bitwise. Um, I, on the, on the ETF front, um, yeah, there, you know, the price action is, is what it is, but, uh, the, the traction the ETFs have gotten is, is incredible. Uh, you see, uh, IBIT, uh, and, and a BTC from BlackRock and Fidelity above a uh, billion dollars in assets. Now, uh, our, our, our ETF at Bitwise, uh, BITB is, uh, upwards of 500 million now. Uh, and in terms of the net buying and selling, we've, we've seen the pressure that, uh, you guys have talked on uh, this show about. Uh, at length. Uh, uh, just, sorry, again, sorry to jump in, just your mic is mm, could be better if, if that's possible, man. Uh, sure, let me see what I can do on that. Um, let me switch out mic. Uh, Speaking of mics, just a second. Mike, Mike, yeah, perfect. So, oh, yeah, Mike, yeah, yeah, oh, so much better. Yeah, yeah, so much Mike better. better. I went from a new... There's someone... Go ahead. Yeah, there's some... But now I was going to say it's banging next to you like a yeah. hammer, but I think it's stopped now. So yeah, go ahead. We've got Mike. We're Mike, we talk about macro. We talk about BTC, BTC price action, and then Juan on the ETF side. So we got we've got two different uh, topics. Uh, Mike, you can be going first, so and then Juan is fixing the his facts mic. that I'm really pointed out and concerned about for BTC. I like to watch Bitcoin versus gold, and that um, versus beta versus S&P 500. It started underperforming beta at the peak in 2021 when S&P 500, you know. Um, and it's just in, in BTC versus, I'm um, not just gold, but versus the S&P 500. Um, started underperforming at the biggest liquidity pump ever in 2021. And now Bitcoin's, what, a, more than the third from its peak and S&P 500's making new highs. This, to me, from a macro standpoint, if I'm sitting at a hedge fund, which I used to do in front of a value at risk model, is very bad for Bitcoin. Just pointing out facts. When the highest beta risk 24-7 traded risk asset will not go up and keep up with beta, that's showing you divergent weakness. And I think that's what's happening macro and global. And now we have what to look forward to in Bitcoin. And what he says, okay, we have to look forward to flows inflows okay well great but the problem is the etf thing that those of us have been looking for waiting for for at least five years is done now yes it might happen in ethereum it's probably going to happen in, in in a broad basket which is the proper way for investors to get and now we're seeing the reality of what's kicking in so my bias here is this leading indicator this world's most significant 24 7 trading leading indicator is probably going to continue to lead us down into the recession like it led up on the way up 23 it led down in 22 and it's just showing that tilt so here's what i find quite unique about it is first of all that's the performance performance is on a risk adjusted basis has just been very poor now it depends when you look back you can go from pick out bottoms but certainly since this um, biggest pump in liquidity in, in history ever has turned around. So now I see it as 
What do you got to look forward to? The biggest trade, the most significant ARB trade last year was the buy GBTC and ARBIT versus either futures or BITO. Or, this is what I've been looking for from futures first launched in 2017. All the big ARB trades that I've seen from the hot hedge funds in the world are done in Bitcoin. They're just ARBed out. There's just no major left there. Maybe there's some in Ether or in ETH and ETHE. There's still a discount there. But so now it's like, okay, now you gotta you gotta prove you are um, better than beta. You have to prove, despite the fact you have higher volatility and greater risk, um, that you will outperform the S and P 500. Now the risk is that we just get this little recession that is never coming, but it's happening in Europe, in China, it's having problems, and then Bitcoin should be a leading indicator. So to me, the macro is very poorly, and I just want to see the beef of divergent strength. And so far, it's been showing divergent weakness. And the key thing I like to point out is that I will stick. I'm not a fan of Peter Schiff, although I do know him personally. I sat next to him at the Western Republican town lamb bake in 2013, I think it was. Got to know his fiance then. But it's just look at gold. Gold is it's 52 week average moving average is the highest ever. And it's hovering there. And even though ETF flows are out, that's our outflows. At some point, that's going to flip. And I look at Bitcoin, it's just languishing. I see, okay, well, there's a bull market that has a good reason to break out. All it needs is, is this competition from higher stocks and higher rates to go back a little bit. And I think gold just takes off, and that should be pressure for Bitcoin. So for now, that's the outlook. I'd like to see a change. But the key point is Bitcoin performance has been poor, and I'm, I'm afraid the next 10 grand is going to be towards 30 rather than above um, than 50. Well, so um, I am willing to... to Bet you that we touch 50 before we touch 30, if you want. I got to be careful betting. So this an, an inside scoop at, at Bloomberg. So I, I happen to do it internally with the lunch or anything, but uh, dinner. But Bloomberg has asked me not to, um, to cover Bitcoin less and focus more on commodities, but how it's related to its indication status for other markets. So if we make a public bet, I might get in trouble for that. But I, so I have to be careful. But I just need to point out this the relative performance. And the key thing we need to think about is typically on this, I like listening to this program, but most people talk about trading Bitcoin. We hear about the long term, but that's the key point is this is the world's most significant 24-7 trading vehicle. There's nothing even close on a global 24-7 basis. You don't hear people talking about gold like that. Um, and that's why you have to realize that if the we see more wealth this destruction that's coming out of China, if that trickles down to the U.S., um, it's very unlikely this risk. I'd love to see it go up, but remember, it's still nascent and volatility. It's just here's here's what I'll end with. It's just very very rare for a high beta, high volatility asset to go up when beta goes down. Mike, what, why do you? Rand, I have a question for you. Rand, can I ask you something really quick? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, actually, I think it was last Thursday or something, or a week before, I was with Mike, I think, and Gareth. And Mike, I think Gareth asked us, maybe it was price was 45, and he said 30 or 60 first. I'm curious if at 45, which of those bets you would take with 60 as the top, Ram? Hmm. Hmm. I said neither anytime soon. I said the same thing, but I, I would go 60 before I went 30, to be honest. But I might that be was wrong. my answer, too. Yeah. But, but that was close. From, from 40, I think 50 is an easier bet than 30. But from 45, I found that to be a really hard question. 
Uh, Mike, why is China not being able to stage any kind of recovery? All these stimulus. I mean, how, I mean, how badly broken is this economy? I think it's as is worse than Japan was in the early '90s. I was working for a Japanese firm there, and I remember visiting Tokyo and running around the Imperial Palace, and it was valued at a greater value than the, um, the state of Arizona. So. To me, the inflection point came about two years ago with the unlimited friendship between President Xi and President Putin. That has turned and flipped the switch on a global basis. You just look at U.S. imports from Mexico. They are taking off and they're dropping versus China. That's happening everywhere. The property crisis is a big deal. It's kicking in. Um, and it's they basically just pissed off their two best export customers. Mr. Z just went too far. Now, I read about this many books. The one I read, read recently, that thing to get it right, that got it right was Price of Time, I think, by Chancellor. And I've had to, I've been delaying reading um, Ray Dalio's principles because he was way too bullish in China, in my view. He wrote that book before the unlimited friendship. To me, if you look for inflection points in history and time, like the Molotov, Rippentoff, um, pact um, right before uh, you know in the beginning of World War II. This is similar. It's happening, and it's because of two people. But it's the the switch. What, I'll end with this. The economy. The key thing I heard from an economist was, in the last hundred years, if you're a country and you want to get wealthy, you cozy up to the U.S. Basically, they just pissed off the U.S. and you see it everywhere. Particularly now, that's not that's not only not only on both sides of the aisle in the U.S., but it's all over the world. But in Europe that I hear, it's like, okay, well, get me out of China, reshore, nearshore, anything but support this country that supported a war. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, Juan, you had gotten interrupted before. Maybe we should uh, head back to what you were talking about as well. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Can, can you hear me better now? It's a little better. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, sorry, my connection may be kind of bad today. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I no, think, uh, it's worse. Than, yeah, it just went bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's worse, Juan. It's it's like a bit echoey, and, and I'm sure if you're using Bluetooth, maybe disconnect from that. That could help. And okay. yeah, I think you just dropped. Andrew, is the Juan you there? Yeah, give it a give yes. it a shot. Let's yeah, sorry, Juan, Juan, not Andrew. Uh, yeah, give it a shot, Juan. Because I really want an ETF overview. Actually, Scott, have you looked at the numbers while waiting for Juan? You or Rand? I can look. I have a one. If you give me two seconds, I have a dashboard on the. Rand, did you? Rand, is uh, you Rand or anyone else? Has anyone else is, looked at? Is my connection oh, better? Oh, Juan, now? you're much better. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Perfect. So much perfect, better. Perfect. Go ahead. Sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I think everything that that Mike uh, said was uh, on the macro front is really interesting. Uh, I think uh, that uh, sort of uh, segues into in, back to Bitcoin in the sense that we're sitting now uh, in the uh, price of Bitcoin where we are about twenty uh, percent uh, down from the highs after the ETF launch of forty eight thousand. So we're now, you know, we're now twenty percent uh, lower, uh, which is triggering down. You know, the the price is now for technical people, it's down below the twenty day, ten day, five day moving average. Uh, so people are starting to look at it from a technical perspective. Uh, and uh, I think it was Arthur Hayes who pointed out: uh, if we go thirty percent below, we're going to be hitting uh, below the thirty five k level at thirty three. So that so thirty five is is probably the next support. Um, if if these prices keep on going lower. Uh, and, uh, and 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 in, in my view, the the thing that uh, we're we're seeing is that um, the equity markets are still still going up. Uh, the yield on the S and P is matches right now the yield on the ten year Treasury, which means that the equity risk premium has disappeared from equities. Uh, 
at the same time that rex, rate expectations are, are resetting um, and there's the geopolitical uh, risk, uh, some of which Mike uh, commented on. So we're, we're sitting at macro turbulence that uh, the, the equity markets are not pricing in uh, and, and that uh, if equity markets go down could influence Bitcoin uh, even, even lower. Um, now, in terms of the going going to the ETF question uh, that you guys mentioned, I think it's been a stellar performance, uh, not price wise, but in terms of assets and, and flows. Eleven days in, we're sitting at uh, just about a billion of net net buying. That that is, you know, including the the selling of GBTC plus all of the flows that we've seen in the in the ETFs. So uh, that's that's really really strong uh, really strong traction. Um, but even then, you, you consider it a, a net positive uh, billion over 11 days. That's, you know, if you average it out, that's less than 100 million uh, in net buying a day. On a market where Bitcoin trades, uh, roughly, it's trading around $35, $40 billion uh, a day. So it's less than, it's about half a percent uh, of net new buying. So that's really not going to prop up the price. Um, but uh, I think that's all short term. And, and uh, as, as I think you guys have pointed out very well in, in, in the show here is uh, these are these are short term uh, currents. The 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 selling on GBTC is getting exhausted. Uh, and then longer term, you're going to continue to see buying uh, pressure on the ETFs because more institutional investors are going to be allocating to, to Bitcoin. Right now, you've seen these massive net inflows. But on a lot, we talk at Bitwise, we talk to a lot of advisors uh, and institutional investors. Many of them have yet, we've been talking to them about these ETFs coming up, and many of them have yet to have their compliance departments approve these because uh, they couldn't approve them prior to the ETFs launching. Now, the ETFs have launched, but these huge uh, pension funds, institu foundations, institutional investors, and even uh, big RIAs, they have investment committees and compliance departments that the there's there's a lag effect. Uh, it, it takes a while. It's it takes a while to make these decisions. So we probably it probably won't be till the second half of the year when many of these RIAs and institutional investors really start being able to allocate uh, across their their models uh, for for portfolios. So I think there's a great wave of buying uh, uh, that's going to be ongoing throughout this year uh, and 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 beyond uh, that, which will be very positive for price. So short term is what it is, but I think the picture, uh, especially with a halving coming up in April uh, and the net buying that I think will be will continue to see throughout the years is very constructive for the, for price. Can I, can I piggyback on that a little bit? Those are great comments. I, I really appreciate it. The key thing I've learned with advisors is they will focus on the number one lessons in the history of investing is what are my compounded earnings? This is what I've heard in gold and commodities forever. Why is there only 180 billion in ETFs tracking gold? Because there's no earnings. And that's what I think people are forgetting who are in specifically in the ETF, I'm sorry, in the crypto space is the rest of the world. I mean, the big bulk of the trillions of invested oftentimes focus on the long-term earnings from maybe Ethereum or Ether has it, Bitcoin doesn't. So I'll give you an example I think you should expect for inflows total, maybe in ETFs, just look at gold total ETFs are about 180 billion. Right now there's about 50 billion in Bitcoin ETFs. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really great point, Mike. Um, and that's, we, we, when we talk to advisors, we try to explain to them that all crypto assets are not not the same thing. Uh, many advisors are just beginning to understand Bitcoin, uh, and you know Ethereum is next in line. But it's it's a whole ecosystem that really is differentiating now with Bitcoin being the store of value, the digital gold, if you will, of the ecosystem. Uh, but 
Ethereum being a very different animal, it's uh, it it is uh, you can categorize it as a cash flow producing asset, unlike Bitcoin, uh, and more akin to a crypto uh, tech stock, uh, if if you will. Uh, and 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 I think people it's resonated with investors when we present it that way uh, because they can they can understand how to uh, think about it uh, as a cash flow producing asset, as a PNL uh, modeling asset. Um, and I think that that uh, they have very different markets. Uh, so I, I think you're right pointing out uh, gold ETFs have 180 billion, uh, but the market for uh, uh, for assets such as uh, uh, Ethereum uh, with Ethereum spot ETFs coming whenever they come, I think it'll be sooner than the 10 years it took Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, now that there's president, uh, we, we heard uh, Hester Pierce say that uh, they won't be going through more court or they'll try to avoid going through more court battles in order to approve the next ones. They'll, they'll use president. Um, uh, so w when when those ETFs come, I think that's a huge, uh, a huge other market that, that will unlock for, for advisors to be able to allocate. Uh, to a, to a different asset in the crypto space uh, that that they'll uh, that that they'll be learning more more about and getting more comfortable with. And by the way, Mario Red, I don't know if you guys know, but Juan, you wrote, we we have referenced your Bitwise report a hundred times. We've had Ryan and Matt up here, but you were actually the author of that uh, RIA survey, correct? Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, and thank you guys for having me over uh, on on today. Uh, yeah, we we published that. Which was a really interesting survey coming on the heels. You know, we usually publish uh, in prior years. We've usually published that survey at the end of January, uh, but this year, with our expectations for the Bitcoin ETF approvals, we thought we uh, it was best to get it ahead of time and publish it because uh, of the results, what they said uh, coming about the the ETF approval. And it was really interesting. Uh, uh, if you guys remember that that survey uh, showed that less than thirty that about thirty nine percent of advisors were expecting an ETF approval. Uh, this year, uh, which which was which was a big gap compared to uh, the the Bloomberg analysts who is were that is that the is that the, is that the is that Scott is that the survey we kept mentioning that said that yeah the Bitwise Verify survey yeah was that yeah. one that Juan's the one who actually did that we've given Bitwise yeah, so, uh, all the credit <laughs> that was Juan's project yeah so Quan 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 that was a, um, a a survey that that I think was one of the most important points in our discussion as we were trying to predict what's going to happen after the ETF. Oh, and especially, yeah. And, and essentially what it said for the audience to refresh your memories, like uh, TradFi was not expecting ETF. Um, it was like our own little bubble that thought was imminent and TradFi thought was less likely than not than that an ETF. Yeah. Yeah. Is that exactly. a good way to summarize it, Juan? Yeah. That's, but that's it also exactly said, right. it also said that only 19% of RIAs even had a way to gain expo uh, Bitcoin exposure for their yeah. clientele. The four, the four contrasting stats were that 39% uh, of, of advisors were expecting an ETF approval, while the uh, Bloomberg analysts had a 90% plus probability. Uh, that on one side, so expectations were really tempered uh, by, by advisors. And then the second one was uh, the other one you just mentioned. Only 19% uh, said they were able to allocate, they're currently able to allocate in crypto accounts, but 88% said that they were waiting for an ETF approval in order to be able to buy. Uh, in large part because of what I mentioned earlier, not only is there interest, uh, you have Larry Fink now publicizing it and, and endorsing it, but uh, the ETF, uh, given that it's in a regulated vehicle, a 1933 uh, Grantor Act a trust, uh, it unlocks that a lot of the compliance uh, requirements. How, uh, how uh, long, Quan? How long for those for those uh, for for those people to 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 invest in the ETF? How long would it take for them to allocate capital? Is it a long process, a lot of due diligence, and going through the but etc., or is it relatively quickly when they decide to pull the trigger? 
uh, once uh, once they get uh, once they get clearance from their investment committees and uh, and compliance departments, it's relatively quickly. It's the process of getting that uh, that approval and that clearance that takes a, that is a long lead time. You know, we talked to how long? Uh, how long? How long is that lead time? That that pipeline, that lead time for you know for us when we're working with the Morgan Stanleys of the world to to get on their platform and get approval can be a due diligence process that can be you know, as little as three months and as long as uh, nine months or, or, or a year. So uh, it's, it's, it's quite a so, long time. And today, one, one more question. I remember asking this a really long time ago. Does that, does that process start before the ETF approval? Because if they expect it to be, you know, to likely be approved or possibly be approved, would they start this process in advance or will they need to wait for the approval before the process even starts? It, it, varies, it varies by institution uh, and, and, and RIA. But most of them are uh, usually handcuffed to uh, until the thing is not out and in the world. Uh, there's no point in uh, in trying to convince and work with their compliance departments. So m most of them, we've been talking. You know, we, we've been in the market since 2017, talking to advisors for for years now, uh, and and most of them have said like, look, you've been educating us for years. We're ready, but our formal due diligence process can't start till after the the ETFs uh, launch. So. Uh, we're, we're now working with all these advisors uh, that we've been talking for years in getting that process started. So that's why we expect uh, a lot of uh, continued, uh, continued allocation throughout this year and, and the next as a lot of these advisors finally go through that formal process and get the approvals from their compliance department. Is it, I've, got, I've got another question for you, Juan. By the way, Scott, one thing I've realized is just it's annoying how the smartest people in any ecosystem, I'm talking about crypto now, barely get any exposure and they probably don't spend the time you know doing shows and doing a lot of media but they barely get any exposure and everyone listens to the people that are just trying to they're misinterpreting reports etc i know juan your report was interpreted in so many different ways by so many different people and it's a shame that it, you know we didn't get your voice on here earlier and others don't invite you to their show so you can explain your own damn report um did you discuss the etf the ectf with them at all did you bring it up as part of the survey or as a separate discussion and what was their response uh yeah the the well the well, we we post questions uh, such as what is what is your uh, what is your interest in buying an ETF? Uh, are you interested in and able to buy before or after the ETF launches? So those were the type of questions uh, that that we pose uh, to them. Uh, sorry, did you uh, one more question before going? Did you just with your answer? Did you talk about the ETF? Sorry if I missed it. Did we talk about what? Sorry. Did you ask them about the ETF? The, the, oh. the, if they, if they say even on their radar. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, not formally in the in the in the survey, but in conversations we were uh, we were asking, uh, and and for most people it wasn't it wasn't even on the radar. People, many advisors were still even unaware of of the uh, Bitcoin ETFs uh, coming having coming to approval to a rejection or approval in in early January. Uh, and Ether, Ethereum ETFs were even you know more lost on the radar. So yeah. And how's the uh, how? Sorry, go ahead. So I was just going to say that this is something that, you know, we who are in the crypto ecosystem talking and thinking about this all day uh, don't realize uh, a lot of time, which is that most of these people, you know, are not allocated to Bitcoin. Uh, so they don't think about it at all. And they and the headlines they, they still had in their head all throughout all last year was that uh, was the 2022 headlines. Uh, now that Larry Fink is, is singing a different tune, now they're waking up, they're starting to ask questions, they're starting to think about it. Uh, but most most people out, most professional investors out there think uh spend very little time thinking of, of bitcoin That's and still they the, allocate their portfolios even then it'll be one to five percent of their allocation meaning one percent one to five percent of the time of their time spent a day uh thinking about bitcoin 
That's a, you know, you're the perfect person to ask these questions because we always try to, to, we're always debating a TradFi and their sentiment towards crypto, how quickly they'll get into it, how interested are they in the ETF. Um, so my next question, you kind of hinted at the answer. And Andrew, I just muted your mic because you had a bit of echo. But Juan, the question I had for you is the sentiment. Uh, you kind of hinted that their sentiment still kind of a bit lagging. Um, and if we get outside our crypto bubble, where we moved on from Sam Beckman-Fried and, and Alameda and all that mess, um, and, uh, you know, all we talk about is the ETF. You're saying in TradFi, they're still in that old mindset, the FTX mindset, mostly. Is that correct? Yeah, I think things are changing now uh, that we're through a year where Bitcoin was up uh, 157%. They're starting to see that uh, when they look at, uh, you know, when they rebound the models coming into this year and they look at all asset classes and they see the performance, they're starting to wake up to it. Obviously, Larry Fink has now been in the in the media quite a lot with the with these launches, talking, uh, endorsing Bitcoin in a way that he hadn't uh, hadn't much done uh, before. And that's grabbing uh, the attention of advisors. But up until you know, Q4 of last year, throughout all of most of last year, when we talked to advisors, they were still stuck in 2022. So I think advise to your point, advisor sentiment, I think will continue to have a lag to uh, what happens in, in crypto prices and crypto uh, industry developments. Um, I think now that the ETFs are, are out, uh, that uh, making them making the asset class more mainstream and, and Larry Fink and all and pe big people like that in the media, I think advisors will start paying attention a little more and, and, and that lag might close a bit. But I still see sentiment and allocation as a lag to what happens in the industry, uh, in the in the professional investor and advisor community. I, I, I wanted to get another person that would probably give context to this is Dennis. Dennis, I know you speak to a lot of the same people with Satoshi Act Fund. I would love to get your thoughts. And Andrew, you can jump in at any time, um, especially on this point. But uh, the, the question I have for you, Dennis, and we'll go to Andrew, is the, uh, the sentiment when it comes to TradFi, like how long do you think it will take for them to completely change their mindset to, towards crypto? Will it take a, a, a massive rally in the price of Bitcoin beyond what we've had so far for them to pay attention? Does it take more time for them to listen to Larry shilling Bitcoin time and time again? What do you expect? Yeah, well, shilling always is, uh, is helpful for sure. Uh, there can never be Yo, enough. Sure if you, sorry, Dennis, not sure if you can improve your mic a tiny bit. Today's not a good day with mics. Yeah, let me go. Let me tear my Bluetooth off and see if it gets better real quick. Perfect. I appreciate it. And Andrew would love to go to you right after Dennis. Go ahead, Dennis. And then in the meantime, I'd, I'd love to go through the comments like for, for people in the audience, because I know yeah, it is. It is for people in the audience. Like we're all in our crypto bubble, and we all talk the same language. We're all watching the same news, talking about the same things. Now you're getting an idea of of what people outside our bubble, which is a much bigger uh, piece of the pie, what they think about crypto and where their sentiment is at. So I would love to get your thoughts in the comments on the discussion so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me up again, by the way. Um, I was saying earlier just that uh, there can never be enough shilling. So more shilling of the BTC ETF uh, is helpful. Yeah, I mean, personally for me, I've been a little, I was, I'm to, to clarify, I am not a TradFi expert. I'm not even a TA expert. Um, but I've always been more so bullish on Bitcoin's price going up post having. Um, uh, so I've kind of was somewhat expecting. I would say I would have been more seeing Bitcoin go flat here. I think it going down a little bit is is a little bit of a surprise to me. But I really just didn't see ever at any point where all of a sudden the ETF is here and then we wake up and you know Bitcoin's you know at 60, 70, 80, 100k because of new inflows. Um, as Juan was pointing out, which um, Juan, thank you again for um, reaching out. By the way, uh, it was a great meeting with um, uh, one of your colleagues. So I appreciate you setting that up. Um, but uh, and Scott, I know you've been you've been trying to help me get some meetings going too. And we'll I'll mention a little in just a moment why um, I'm trying to have meetings with ETF issuers here. But um, ultimately, I you know what Juan was saying is so accurate. Like 
these people still need to do the due diligence. They need to do the research. They need to really become comfortable with the ETF. And uh, I don't think they were ever going to do that until the ETF was launched. So it is a super important moment. We all know that critical moment, but it was a foundational moment. It was not where we're going to see this huge bull run the moment the ETF launches, but it needed to happen so that we can have this big uh, bull run that is sort of imminent now because of the launch. Uh, so as Juan pointed out, three to six months for these RIAs just to take a look at um, the Bitcoin ETF and to do their due diligence. And then once they have collectively, then I, you're certainly going to see some some new inflows. But um, in another area, another arena, uh, there's going to be a lot of money, in my opinion, coming from pensions, uh, state pension funds in particular. Uh, state pension funds currently sit on $5.5 trillion dollars of assets under management. And currently today, state pension funds hold ETFs, they hold gold ETFs. In fact, there's an entire portfolio theory around like holding just a tiny bit of um, gold in your um, portfolio that will help to de-risk it. Uh, and you know, we sort of believe the same thing is true with um, the Bitcoin ETF or with Bitcoin broadly for these state pension funds. In fact, we plan to back it up with research. Uh, we're working really closely with our internal research team to produce a paper that would back up the claim that uh, essentially by adding a very small amount of Bitcoin um, to your balance sheet, to your portfolio, uh, that you will be able to significantly de-risk your portfolio due to the um, uh, due to be, it being like a non-correlated asset. So we're working really closely with these um, state pension fund managers. Um, we're going to be working really closely with the treasurers soon because we are uh, at Satoshi Action crafting a, um, a resolution that will push state pension fund managers and uh, treasurers to start studying the Bitcoin ETF, but that but that's going to take time, right? Because we're we're working with lawmakers to get that pushed through. Um, we already have a, a few states that have raised their hand; they're ready to do it um, to start studying the Bitcoin ETF. Um, but what we're, that's going to that's being a long process, right? Because once they get the resolution passed, then they got to set up the committee, then they got to set up the study, then we got to start into you know having those conversations between the different ETF issuers and also um, those state pension fund managers, um, and then eventually they're going to say, okay, yeah, this is a good idea, and let's put out the report that says it's, uh, it's uh, something we should buy, and then from there, there you know you you have the opportunity to start the process of maybe having them allocate. And so that's a bare minimum. I mean, that's like eight to 12 months away. So, but once it starts happening, I mean, that's a, an incredible impact that it could have on the price of Bitcoin. And if, for those of you that are wondering, you know, why I might be having those conversations, um, uh, at Satoshi Action, we, we passed, craft and pass public policy to protect Bitcoin and digital assets. Um, and we also, our new recent effort is to get a bill or an ETF passed at the state level that would encourage um, these pension fund managers to engage with these ETF issuers who, I mean, most of these, and maybe Juan can tell you, I don't know about it uh, Bitwise, but certainly at a lot of other ETF issuers, they already talk to state pension fund managers. They already talk to um, the treasurer. So they have these, a lot of these people have these relationships. The reason why we matter as an organization, as Satoshi Action, is because we're a third-party validator. We don't own any stocks, any equities. We don't have ETF. I don't own the ETF. I just own Bitcoin. I'm just an advocate. I'm a nonprofit. Um, I don't even own like big, um, like Bitcoin mining stocks, right? Because I try to make sure that I maintain a level of credibility when I go into these conversations. But it's really valuable to have us come in and say, yes, you should do X, Y, Z. Yes, you should do this study and to hand walk it through because it's not 
a special interest corporate interest that's doing that. It is a nonprofit that's doing it. That's backed up by um, an additional nonprofit's research. So that can be really helpful. Um, that's sort of an update for you guys too of where we're at right now. And we're you know we've talked to quite a few different ETF issuers and their yep. partners, and you know we're hoping to talk to more of them and continue to push this conversation forward. Yeah, Dennis, that's become that's become my favorite pitch. Uh, we we, always, we often have Donish, Dr. Donish, on here uh, who hosts the. Mario's 9 a.m. finance spaces. And I used to co-host it with him and I just kind of kept whittling and whittling away. And the final point that got him to buy Bitcoin was when I told him, you can hate this thing, but look at what it does for your portfolio as far as your sharp ratio, right? Like we have proof it has idiosyncratic risk. It improves the sharp ratio. You need to have a percentage of your portfolio in this. Uh, and he finally agreed and started to buy it. And that's the, to me now, that's the pitch to the people who, uh, don't believe is that you can hate this thing and still make money, <laughs> right? And then eventually, exactly. I hope that they get orange filled. But then, then it's good for your portfolio, and, and the math supports it. And we don't even need to debate the ethos of it right. or, or, or your deep seated belief in it. Belief in it. Yeah, that's that's right. And then, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. One quick point. One I wanted to make, and it's kind of ties into what you had said earlier about it, the launch. This is like this, the ETF being issued. It was like the moment we breached the Great Wall of China, right? Like we. The war didn't end. The, the, the Huns didn't win when they breached the Great Wall of China, but it was the beginning of the end of that, you know, that Chinese empire right at that time that was trying to fight back against the Mongols. So we have now put the key into the gate and we have turned it and the, the, the gates are now open. Um, and now you're going to see Agreed. over time, could be six months, it could be a year, it could be two years, it could be five years, to be honest. Um, but at the end of the day, the gate is now open and you're going to see some really serious things beginning to change, yeah. especially because you have the largest asset managers in the entire planet running around, promoting, advocating for, probably investing in um, also government relations of their own. And this is where you start to really see um, not only at the state level, but in Washington, D.C., things start to really um um, shift dramatically. Yeah. If RAs don't get it yet, Dennis, like if they don't get it yet, imagine the day that Larry Fink is doing one of these uh, interviews on CNBC or something and says, we recommend a 2% portfolio allocation to Bitcoin. Yeah. And not only that, but... Right. That's literally all it would take for every RIA in the country to pay attention to this and consider it. And, and not only that, the interesting thing is that like, I, I love what you're saying about how people aren't going to be all like, no, these people are not going to be Bitcoin maxis, right? Like, in my opinion, I've talked to a lot of my friends who are Bitcoin only. I'm Bitcoin only. I'm, you know, people would say I'm like a um, soft version of a Bitcoin maxi, so to speak. Um, I can, I can, I can be Bitcoin only and, and get along with my um, crypto friends to make sure that America is a leader on, on this technology. I think is super important to to be able to do that. But, but these people that are coming in, they're not going to, they're not going to be like hardcore like me. They're not going to be hardcore even like fifty uh, percent of what I probably put out. But um, they're going to buy Bitcoin because, like you said, it it they has a measurable impact on their portfolio, and that's going to be a lot of people. Like, there's going to be a lot of people. They don't really care about you know, unfortunately, you know, sort of like the freedom aspect and like how Bitcoin unlocks. But that's a funnel. Yeah, it's, but that is a funnel. Like, oh, right? This, that, that, this makes my situation better, and that's going to be probably at least fifty percent of the planet that does that at bare minimum. Yeah, and they're all welcome. They're all welcome because, like, you know, yes. listen. There's a lot of people who came in through Doge or came in through NFTs or came in through like Metaverse hype and found their way to Bitcoin. So you know, all roads lead sort of in that direction. I think. Uh, Juan, you were about to say something, then Andrew. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just quickly. Uh, first of all, Dennis, yeah, what you what you guys are doing at Satoshi Action is is so vital. And and as you said, we we talk to we're talking to pension funds and big institutional investors all the time, and it definitely helps to have 
a partner like you guys on on the lobbying side on on uh, on uh, uh, you know having that impartial third advocacy uh, side third advocacy <laughs> on the advocacy side yeah so it's great to be connected with you guys and we hope to build uh, that relationship uh, and that the analogy about the Great Wall is 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 totally apt uh, and and Scott to your point uh, of what you were saying I I think it's it's totally right and and what's what's funny is that. The you know the performance metrics the the sharp ratios uh, of Bitcoin have been there for years the the metric to the compelling metric on that has been there for years uh, and and RIAs and, and and investors have been apprehensive because you know it's emerging it's risk it's it's an unknown asset class now the funny thing is now that Larry Fink and and big big investors are in and starting to promote it now it goes from oh I you know I if I put if I don't put it in 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 my portfolio. It, it now becomes the the opposite of what, what what was before which is now the career before the career risk was putting it in your portfolio now the career risk is not is going to become not putting in your in your in your portfolio even though the metrics have always been the same uh, so it's 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 a wonderful asset in terms of the diversification and, and asymmetric risk benefits that it can add to to a diversified portfolio people should have been putting in it in their portfolios all along but uh, they certainly will start now, and and I think that's going to be great for for adoption and and great for portfolio performance for for the average investor. Andrew, just real quickly, the the Bitcoin ETF, you know, from a macro standpoint, it's short term, medium term, and long term bullish for Bitcoin, and, and here are some reasons why. Short term, the inflows right now after nine or ten days um, are breaking records uh, versus anything else that's ever been launched. Um, that that's remarkable uh, given the outflows we're seeing in on the GBTC side. All of the other brands associated uh, that have launched Bitcoin ETFs are seeing inflows that are, that are breaking records. That's short term. Medium term and pulling back the curtain a little bit more on TradFi. So we talk about RIAs. One thing to, to, you know, to go to the third or fourth curtain as it relates to RIAs, RIAs are all set on like three or four platforms that they use as their back end for custody and, and doing trades and all that stuff. Those three or four platforms, again, are going to take time to approve these products, allow these products, recommend these products, for these products to become a very simple asset allocation portion of client portfolios. The way to look at that is... When uh, gold ETFs were approved, you can go look at that parabola, right? And that parabola is kind of mind-bending. It's explosive growth. But, you know, there was some time where that, that you know, parabolic move didn't hit quite yet. Well, that was because they were waiting for approvals three, three months, six months, nine months for everything to be approved inside of these captive sort of systems that are TradFi for, for people to be able to allocate capital to it. And then long term, um, you know, once once you have, uh, you know, a one, two, three, five percent, you know, allocation model to a, you know, alpha asset like Bitcoin, that's when you see the parabolic move that you saw with with gold, you know, ETFs. So you know, short term, midterm, long term. And that again, that midterm, I can't stress enough that midterm number. So places like Ameriprise, which has 20 some thousand advisors, places like Edward Jones, which has 20 some thousand advisors, those places haven't approved clients to be able to move into that stuff yet. Uh, Back end uh, RIA custody organizations like Pershing, um, for example, 
that that will take time to move through. But when it does move through, it will then be available. So we're seeing just the first fruits with these billions of inflows that have gone into the, you know, the quote unquote new nine. Um, it's pretty remarkable stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I sign off on everything that, that Juan said uh, about where we're headed uh, in terms of adoption of this stuff. Um, but we're, you know, we've breached, you know, uh, retail. We absolutely have. I, I've been fairly, you know, fairly stunned at the pace at which inflowers are, are going specifically into, into BlackRock, Bitwise and the like. Andrew, um, meanwhile, though, meanwhile, you just tweeted, uh, you know, 45 minutes ago or something, almost 800 million again from Grayscale today. <laughs> yeah, you got to love you gotta love Barry. Listen, that's a that's a unique uh, that's a unique story as it relates to the folks that have been in that product for a long time, and the entanglement with DCG and the money that DCG owes everybody. Um, you know, there's a large portion of folks that are in that product um, that don't care about tax ramifications and just want out. Uh, they made a bet that they're going to, you know, charge 1.5%, you know, 5x bigger than really anybody else. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is there's going to be a portion of people that sell that product that end up in in another uh, Bitcoin ETF product. Um, but but there's a different dynamic that's going on there where people just want out of the quote unquote berry ecosystem. Um, that will continue yeah. for a while. My, my guess yeah. is is that there's going to be, uh, you know, in the next six months, if you were to couple, um, let's call it BlackRock and Fidelity and one other, their AUM together is going to, to be bigger than uh, uh, GBTC and, and Grayscale's Bitcoin ETF. And then probably by the end of the first year, my guess is BlackRock will have more uh, assets under management in their ETF than, than uh, Grayscale will. Um, yeah, I so yeah, interesting, interesting dynamic. It's not, it's not, you know, people are like, Oh, in the second week it'll slow down or at this person particular day, it'll slow down. Well, yesterday it didn't slow down. And then today it's as big as it's ever been in terms of outflows. Yeah. It's tough. Oh, that, I, I thought that was somebody else jumping in, but it was uh, behind your mic. Jesse, you haven't even had an opportunity yet. I mean, what are you thinking about the market at this point? I actually just tweeted, uh, one of my classic, sort of a check sentiment tweets is the bottom of the Bitcoin correction in yes, no, right now it's uh 59% no 41%. Yes. I usually go with the opposite of what the crowd says. What, what what's, a, what's, a, what's, a, what's a, what's a question? What was, what was, before you go, just, I said, I said uh, is the bottom of the Bitcoin correction in yes or no, just binary. Like, do you think that we've got uh, the bottom let's of this? Get, or no? Ask, ask that before going to Jesse, ask that question for the audience as well. Um, yeah, whatever yeah. Scott put out, you can go to his poll, but put it in the comments as well. I'm going to go through them. Um, but what was up. the, what were the poll results? Now let him let him put it in the comments because I want to give I like he, he listen yeah, to their context rather than I want, than the, than I want the, them yes to see the question. Answer. Yeah, I just did it and it and right now uh, no is leading, so people are still generally uh, more bearish than bullish. On, people on human he, human emotion is so freaking dumb and no one's immune to it, and it's crazy to see that happen time and time again. You asked that question two weeks ago, everyone would say uh, would say exa the exact opposite, and now. Um, here we are. But Jesse, go ahead. Good morning, Crypto Town Hall. First time being on here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I don't know how much time I have. Uh, you know, Wolf of All Streets, because uh, we'll try to keep it as short as possible, just so I don't uh, go on a long rant or ramble. But yeah, I posted a chart on uh, 
your guys post the crypto town hall and then i i put in the the messages as well so i don't know if you want to follow along on that but you know basically we we're talking about you know the quick recap of bitcoin was we we're talking about a higher probability reversal at sixteen thousand eight hundred, and we had laid out four longer term targets and all four longer term targets were hit including the forty eight thousand six hundred ish and since october you know leading up into the etfs we were looking at price was starting to get overbought it was pumping and we were calling out there was starting to be bearish divergence meaning if you're not you know in the technical world you know price is going up and making higher highs while the relative strength index rsi is making lower highs so we were calling out hey watch out for bearish divergence watch out for bearish divergence and then we are even saying hey it could go up and hit longer term target four as a possible scenario and then start to go through its correction after that you know similar to what dennis believes i was thinking that we would go up and hit you know longer term target three or target four we did we hit target four and then we'd have a correction before the halving which is estimated to be uh the last time i checked was april 17th and uh you know i didn't predict any of this this is just probabilities that i was looking at and scenarios i was looking at and so now it's going Jesse, to sorry out. sorry to interrupt but yeah can you focus on like where we're at now and moving forward and not you know what was happening from sixteen thousand? Yeah. yeah 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 so that's that's where we're at right now is where we're going through the correction we had a sell signal on the 12th and we're we still have time uh we still have lower prices to go uh, in my opinion, because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't take that thirty thousand dollar bet that Rand was talking about. But Target Three has two major reasons why, and that's about thirty seven thousand dollar Bitcoin. And in my personal opinion, I don't think the bearish divergence gets cleared out until we're below thirty five thousand dollars. I think there's strong support at about thirty four thousand three hundred. So will it? automatically hit target four that I posted on that chart. Uh, it's not guaranteed, obviously, right? Nothing is, but I would be surprised if target three doesn't get hit. And we're at target two right now. We're exactly in the middle of target two and target three is about 37,000. And then target four is down below 35,000 and 34,300. And timing wise, right? So timing wise, the next possible buy the dip scenario, in my personal opinion, is you know before the next having so if i'm looking at the chart right now i'm looking at you know at the earliest maybe we start to see like a, a big move you know middle of february early march but it could be as long as you know middle of march before we start to see that this correction be over and so not only prices going lower but actually more time and that's that's usually the most painful for the perma bulls and perma bears you know, as far as from technical analysis, you're looking at, okay, yeah, people can handle the prices going lower, but the time, the timing of it probably takes longer than what people mostly think. So I would say lower prices, target three, at least most likely target four to clear out the bearish divergence and then start to look for like maybe bullish divergence on the daily chart. Mm -hmm. I saw uh, Scott posted the, on the four hour chart. And so that's mm -hmm. sh more shorter term. You can see a bounce on the shorter term for a four hour chart. Yeah. But but see bullish cool. divergence on well, the daily chart, you know, moving forward. Thanks, man. Thank you. And then Scott, can I tell you something? Yeah. You can't someone can't come in, be respectful and nice to you, and then you're mean to him. We have to create that that reputation mean. of being 
Yes, you will. We have to make you into. We have just to ask him to be nice forward looking. You know, I was trying to, to hone in on the extreme value of what he was saying. Now the to way, the, audience. the way you do it. And I do agree. I do agree. By the way, that I'm looking for oversold daily, which hasn't happened yet. So yeah, we'll see. Don't change the topic. Uh, but on that point, I think we, we've done a great uh, cover. I'm going through the comments. By the way, most people are bullish in the comments. Unlike your uh, your audience was mostly bearish. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, it's still perfect. kind of shaking out. Yeah. Perfect, perfect, 60%. perfect, 60%. perfect representation of your personality. I'm joking. I'm, I'm going a bit too far with this, but I think this is a, a good time to wrap. Scott, any final words? Yeah, I'm going to go cry because you were so mean to me. <laughs> and then uh, we can come back tomorrow and be friends again. I, I thought this was actually re- really amazing. I'm glad we got Juan here. Um, you know, we've had, I feel like Juan, we've had like the entirety of the uh, Bitwise team here. And somehow uh, we missed you and you were the one actually uh, behind all the incredible reporting that we had uh, commented on. So I appreciate having you here, Jesse, for the first time. Uh, and Dennis, always great to do what you're doing. And uh, you can just keep bothering me because uh, I'm, I'm bad at the, at the email intros, as you can see, although I try. Thank you guys for the support uh, to, to our entire Bitwise team and, and happy to be here. Ho- I hope to join you guys in the future again. This was great. Well, for sure. Thanks, Scott. Mario, good to be here. I'm very excited to be working on this stuff. We need to get uh, as many of these pension funds to buy Bitcoin as possible. And uh, maybe one day Bitcoin will fix the pension funds too. Can't wait. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.